I'm teaching a series on Sunday mornings uh, about foundations, uh, basically the essentials, the bottom line. Um, and really, let's just look in, in uh, terms of uh, construction. In, in the definition of, of a foundation, it's the, it's the basis upon which something is built, the basis upon which something is grounded. It's the base uh, of a structure. And um, it's substantial, you know. We're going to look in a minute at the book of Luke about building on a solid foundation or not and the results. But uh, I just, I just want to go back in time. And when I was a little kid, we had this product in our, by our, our bathtub, and it was called Liquid Prell. You remember the green squeeze tube? Somebody reminded me that they had one of the ads is they put a pearl in it and it, it would suspend in there, you know, and, and stuff like that. But what I liked about Prell, before all these fancy pants ones came along that cost, you know, 45 bucks per application, uh, Liquid Prell uh, had uh, instructions on the back of the bottle. Does anybody remember what, ha what the directions for use? Does anybody remember that, that you... You read the bottle of liquid Prell, and you know what the directions were. Lather, rinse, repeat. Say it. Lather, rinse, repeat. Now, if you see people with completely bald heads, they use the product too much. They repeated it too much. But my wife told me that she would get compliments on her hair, and all she used was liquid Prell. So it wasn't a lot of fan. It was before all the big industry of, uh, you know, your hair care products, you know. Uh, and it was, it was essential and simple. And um, I, I just feel in my heart for our church that we've got to get to our essential, the basis of things. And I'm, I'm seeing uh, this is the best time to be alive. There are more resources at our disposal. As a church, we've got 2,000 years of Christian history. We've got the Old Testament and the New Testament in so many translations that we can enjoy. Uh, I re-downloaded uh, Alexander Scorby reading the King James Bible so eloquently and elegantly uh, on my phone. I just push a button and I could hear chapter after chapter. When I was a young Christian, I had a Bible and a Panasonic tape player, and I bought Alexander Scorby tapes, and I would play them. Uh, I loved the book of Mark because it was only on one cassette. Everything else was sort of broken up. It just bothered me, but I had that. That's why I became. Mark became my favorite. That's maybe not a very good reason, but just because it was on one cassette. Well, now I just want to basically teach uh, a, a, an essential lather, rinse, repeat uh, kind of layout to you uh, because the goal is to strengthen your faith, to get you in the game. Look, I just talked to somebody whose dad just died. I knew his dad really well. He's a beautiful man. And and, and they're in church, and, and uh, I'll leave them anonymous, but, you know, they're grieving, but they're also uh, showing up, and they, they believe in the Bible that he's the God of all comfort, so they're lathering up with that reality, and they're, they're rinsing, and they're repeating, and they're let God comfort them. Talk to another gentleman who uh, got, a, a, he got fired two days before Thanksgiving. And for, for no really good reason. So he's having to work through that process. And, I, I, and they're believing God. They're trusting God. They're lathering, rinsing, and repeating. And they're believing God. 
And uh, I talked to another lady who, you know, believe in God for her husband's health, and I am with her on that, and we're in faith. And, and, and the Bible says, if two of us agree on earth, it's touching anything they ask that shall be done for them by my Father who's in heaven. So there's really something, there's cause for rejoicing. There's cause uh, for, for, for gaining ground. Yesterday, I came to the ladies' breakfast. And I'm grandfathered in because I'm married to the speaker. I got to come in. And the guys served. And we were all standing in the back with our arms crossed, you know, in the room full of, of powerful ladies. You know, it was jam-packed. And um, just this, even this lather, rinse, repeat thing. I, I live with the guest speaker. It's my wife, Pastor Patsy. And she uh, had it on her heart. Uh, Tina, uh, and she and Tina worked, and they came up with this theme, uh, It's a Wonderful Life, the Frank Capra movie that was actually a flop when it came out in 1946. They thought Frank Capra no longer had the edge to make a box office hit, but what he really came up with, I really personally don't even know any of any other Frank Capra movies. Maybe you're cinema aficionados and you do, but that's the one that stands out to me. And I came upon it late in life where uh, it just showed uh, a life worth living. And it starts out with prayer. It starts out with people, townspeople and family members crying out for George Bailey who's struggling, who, who, who's going through. The, it's, it lays out this little bit of backstory and then it goes in and shows uh, a life that felt, he felt like a failure and he was resentful and he wanted to, he had dreams that got dashed by, a, by what he thought was a lesser mediocre life, but then God sent an angel to show the guy uh, the, the, the value and beauty of his life, what it would have been like without it, and it was, it's just a very deep, deep idea, it's a deep truth, that the devil will never come in and endorse. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, he's interested in diminishment, he's the accuser of the brethren, he's a belittler. He'll, he'll come in and ridicule to make you feel ridiculous so that you won't follow through on your commitment. But I'm here to preach, lather, rinse, and repeat. Patsy, yesterday, she, was, she, was, she had the logos, the ethos, and the pathos. Everybody say logos, ethos, pathos. I studied, I took a preaching class at Missouri Baptist, and they taught, and this was wonderful that I heard this, these three ingredients are essential. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1 through 10, it talks about what kind of people they were and what message they carried. That's the logos is the message. Does anybody know what logos means? It means word. You know what else it means? Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, the word made flesh. So our message is Jesus. That's where you lather up and you get your mind renewed, get your eyes on him. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He's the Lord that cares about the couple who lost their dad about the couple who lost the job, about the, the, the couple who's dealing with a, a medical issue. He is present to help in time of need, and you can bank on that. Amen. He is faithful to a thousand generations, including this one. Yeah. I've said this over the last four years. I feel like a pastor in Germany in 1938. Don't ask me where I got that. I just, it came up in my spirit. I even had to Google 1938 Germany. And that was when Kristallnacht happened and all kinds of garbage happened in that particular part of the world. And I am believing God that darkness will be abated 
that light will shine, that America will experience a great harvest amongst the lost and a revival in the church. And I'm telling you specifically, I'm believing God for St. Louis Family Church that we hit the mark as God would have us. Yesterday, Pastor Patsy, she cried a lot through the week. Not like emotional crying, not angry crying, not frustrated crying, not exhausted crying. We've all done those. But she just kept feeling people and who, who would be coming. And she kept getting in touch with God and his word and getting, getting in anticipation of who she was speaking to. And, and so she was forming her message and she worked very diligently on it. And um, she got a word from the Lord. The logos is something said. It's a message. It's the divine word of God. And, and, it, and it's it, our message. What is our message? It's the gospel. What's the gospel? Good news. Let's quickly go to 2 Timothy. I want to read something to you and actually go to my notes. You'll be comforted to know I'm now going to my notes. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, it, it says this. I, I, this stood out to me so strongly as I was preparing because I'm thinking about the logos, the ethos, and the pathos. I know I'm going to tell you the definitions for those Greek words in a minute. But 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says in verse 14, remind them of these things. See, I'm just up here stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. I feel like the short order cook at the breakfast restaurant asking you how you want your eggs. And uh, you can have them poached. You can have them scrambled. I got a recipe for scrambled eggs that I never heard of before from a lady. So there's always a way to change these simple things and make them just a little bit special. And I'll tell you something funny. Uh, Addison's son, Stephen Addison, have a little son, Trent. He's two and a half. And one of the ways he begs not to go to bed at night is he asks for, get this, I want a souffle. <laughs> I mean, my little grandson's so high class, he learned it in French. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Kids are skillful to get out of what, you know, I don't want to go to bed. I don't want to go. I want a souffle. Everybody say souffle. I'll have a souffle. But I'll tell you the best way to have eggs, Pastor John, is over medium. And whenever we go to restaurants, there's no industry standard. So you go into a restaurant, okay, and this restaurant is over medium where the whites are cooked and the, the yolk is runny. Uh, yes, yes. And then they, if they come out like golden hockey pucks, it's like, come on, that's, that's, over, that's over hard. Or, or, that's, that's over dead. I don't know what it is. But, but I tell you, certifiably, one of the best and most important meals in the history of humanity, two eggs over medium, hash browns, Crisp bacon with a bottle of Tabasco. <laughs> and I feel like that's like St. Louis Family Church. That bottle of Tabasco is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I just don't think it's breakfast unless your nose runs and your mouth hurts. <laughs> Who in here agrees with me on that? Who in here doesn't agree with me on that? You're wrong. <laughs> the first group is right. Because it spices it up. And even in the book of Job, it says, what, what good is an egg if it doesn't have salt on it? And the gospel says, what good is salt if it loses its savor? Right. And so I want to show you right here, because I'm reminding you, I'm stirring you up, lather, rinse, repeat. Pastor Patsy, was, she had a word about the value of, a, of, of your daily life. There was a, a, a movie we saw with Sam Shepard and uh, what was the woman's name? The, the one, the, the, uh, the, the baby on board, or whatever it was called. Uh, what was the girl's name? She played a, a, um, 
Diane Keaton. Diane Keaton. And uh, she was, it was one of these 80s, 90s business movies where somebody had made a career step, but her sister had a baby, but then tragically they, 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 she passed. And so this, this businesswoman who was single was going up the career ladder, which is good to be in a career, but it's also good to have a baby. And it was showing sort of the contrast. It was kind of a beautifully, I thought it was a ter- tremendous way to just add value to both ends of the spectrum. Instead of putting down one to lift up the other, it was like, let's celebrate the whole thing in, in a creative, comedic way. And um, so she was having to figure out how to tend to this child. And, and, uh, but what it did is it underscored uh, uh, values. And this is what the scripture is saying. I stir them up by way of reminder. What really matters most, Jesus bottom-lined it in his crazy, the time in his context with the crazy imposition of the crazy Roman Empire coming into Palestine and trying to dominate the then-known world with crazy stuff. And you could see the rise and fall of the Roman Empire and how crazy they were. And Jesus comes into that form of crazy. That's why I think being a pastor in 1938 Germany had to be a high form of crazy. I think being a pastor in 1960s and 70s in Southern California had to be really a complex moment. And yet God provided grace on each uh, situation. The people who just lost their dad, their grandpa, God's going to bring comfort and grace and wipe away their tears. And when they have, they'll cry good tears and God will help them and wash away their, their, their sadness. The lady who's believing God with her husband. We've got scripture that he's going to live and not die and live out his days in the name of Jesus. And the man that got disrupted in his job, God's going to give him something better and the devil's going to have to pay back seven times. That's, how I, that's where I stand in my posture. Everybody say lather, rinse, repeat. Say logos, ethos, pathos. I continue. Remind them of these things. Solemnly charge them in the presence of God. Not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Boy, I've been baited by the best of them. Pastor Jeff, what do you think about this? What's your posture on this social issue? What do you think about this? How, how, what, what's your stance on this? You should be over here, standing here doing this. Come over, you should be, if, you, if you're any kind of leader, you should be doing this. If you're any kind of Christian, you should be saying this and chiding you into directions. And I think about how they did this with Jesus. They tempted him. They, they, they waited to catch him in his words. And I love how smart Jesus is, don't you? He is often answering when he sees, he knows their hearts. He answers questions with questions. And I want to tell you, this is a message to keep the big deal the big deal. Everybody say, Lazarus, rinse, repeat. Just, we don't want to veer from the essentials of loving. This is what Jesus said. Love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. When I was in Bible school, what emerged to me during class, and I wrote it in the back, one of my empty pages in my Bible, my, my primary job is to honor God and to help people. And I, I just needed it to be simple. You know, I just, I'm a guy, I just needed it to be basic. What, what do you want me to do, God? And, and I'm going to show you in a moment about hearing his word, acting on it, and then pushing the repeat button ends up producing potential for an extraordinary life. And that Diane Keaton movie, remember that? She could, it was a story where she could actually have her cake and eat it too. She was able to stay in her business acumen, but also enter into a family uh, culture and raise up a child in a loving way. And, and it was, it's a pretty cute story. I, I, I liked it. I've watched it and rewatched it. 
in, in one, one, one uh, part, she was at a business meeting with a bunch of men, and uh, they, were, they ordered steaks, and while she was talking to them and pitching her business idea, she reached over and she was cutting the steaks for all the other business guys, and they were just sitting there, they were just sitting there like, what, what's going on here? So sometimes there's overlap, you know? Sometimes we're bringing, <laughs> sometimes we're bringing some of our skills into, Right? But like with George Bailey, where he wanted to travel the world and he didn't want to be part of the family bank and he didn't want to be in the little town, uh, and he got, he got so depressed. And, 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 the, and the, the actor, uh, he had been in the war, in World War II. This was during the war. And he came back and he was very emotional. And Jimmy Stewart would often break into tears while he was doing that performance. Well, my favorite scene in that film is when he, he prays and asks God to help him in the bar. And he goes, God, please help me. And, he, and he, he explained later on that he was in touch with all these feelings and he really meant it. Boy, when somebody means it, it's, a, it's extraordinary. And I think this is what, when Paul told Timothy, remind them and teach them these things so they don't get caught up in the rhetoric of the times. They don't, get, they don't take a lesser approach. They don't get caught, caught up in, in secondary issues. We've got to keep the big deal the big deal. And, and th this is what he says. He says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling... The King James says, rightly dividing the word of truth. So this is from the ancients. Psalm 1, it starts out with, word of meditate on the word day and night. Joshua chapter 1, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, morning and night. And it, the Bible says morning sowing and evening sowing, you do both. So Because you just don't know which one's going to bear a crop. And um, it says, but avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. And their talk will spread like gangrene among them also, like Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and they upset the faith of some. Now, verse 19 is what I want you to hunker down on. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands. Paul is getting Timothy. This is during so much culture clash, so much racism, so much misogynist uh, attitude, so much uh, elitist uh, uh, division in culture, the haves and the have-nots, heavily accentuated during this period, not unlike, not dissimilar to the times we're in now. And he says, all that, all that gobbledygook, all that circle game, nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands. Now, I want to tell you what a foundation is. It's the basis upon which we live. And I want to remind you, Isaiah 28, 16 prophesies, therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a tested stone, a costly cornerstone for the foundation. This is the foundation for your marriage. This is the foundation for your career. This is the foundation for your child 
development and raising of your children. This is the foundation, of course, for St. Louis Family Church. This is a foundation not only for your Christian life, but guess what? Your whole life is your Christian life. And it should permeate every element and every dimension and every nook and cranny of your entire existence, your work, your relationship with God, your interplay and interaction with others, your, your, your uh, recreation, your rest, everything. It, Jesus is our all in all. And when he is, the firm foundation of the Lord stands. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, says the famous hymn, all other ground is sinking sand. We're going to finish with Luke chapter 6, verse 46, but I want to just read this to you. It says, the foundation firmly placed, he who believes in it will not be disturbed. There's a lot of things attempting to bring disturbance, to disturb your peace, to disturb your marriage, to disturb your finances, to disturb your well-being, your health, your, your mental capacities. There's a lot of things trying to create disturbance. And yet when we get planted on the solid rock, and I want to get simple about that. Uh, it's lather, rinse, and repeat. It's about as simple as that, and you're going to see it in Luke chapter 6. Uh, that, that nevertheless, the firm foundation of the Lord stands. That word nevertheless means never the less. It's eternal, and it's not insufficient. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of the Lord stands. Here we are. We come in in 2,000 years after the, the, the birth of Jesus we're celebrating this month, the ascension and resurrection of Jesus, which we're celebrating at Easter, Pentecost, which we celebrate every day. That's the Tabasco bottle on our kitchen table. Keeps us peppery. And, and we, we see that because we have this solid footing and because we're admonished like Timothy, don't wrangle about words. Pick your fights. Don't go down a lesser battle. I, I've not made everybody happy. People have come and gone. Fascinating. People will, on polar ends of subjects, because I'm, there, I'm not going into tangents. Uh, it didn't make everybody happy. So, but, you know, I, you can't make everybody happy. And I didn't join ministry uh, for uh, man-pleasing, uh, although it is an amazing thing that bears down on a leader. It bears down on all of us. But because but, but, we don't want to be cantankerous either. We want to live our lives in a loving, harmonious way and let the magnetic, attractive power of the Holy Spirit do its business. And I think it's best uh, furnished in that nevertheless the firm foundation of the Lord stands. That's where the power is. When they flip the switch at the junkyard and use those great, on the end of a crane, they use those great mechanisms called an electromagnet. They could put this disc on top of a whole car, a family car, and, and it, put it on the top, and they flip a switch, and, it, and it, all the, when the atoms line up, magnetism occurs. That's what Jesus is doing in our church right now. When the atoms are lined up, a magnetism occurs. People, how can they walk together except they be agreed? Through time, that has to process. If people have different agendas, God bless you. I pray you do well. See you later. Your name's in heaven. Okay, done. Let's move on to what God has for us to do next. And I think about that Diane Keaton movie where she met Sam Shepard. Sam Shepard, she thought he was a doctor, so she started explaining all kinds of things about her life. She was crying and everything, and he comforted her, and he was trying to figure it out, trying to let her know 
I couldn't get a word in etchwise that he actually wasn't a, a general practitioner. He was a veterinarian. <laughs> so it was a pretty funny scene, you know, because she's like she's so embarrassed, but then the romance begins. It's uh, sort of a chick flick, but it was a good one. It, it was, it, I could, real, men could, real men could watch a chick flick every now and then. Because my, my wife watches Indiana Jones with me and stuff like that, so we balance out. But she likes action flicks, and uh, yeah, I watched, uh, what's that one with that guy with the hair like your brother-in-law? Um, uh, uh, Notting Hill, yeah, Notting Hill. This isn't the ladies' breakfast anymore, so we're not giving a shout-out. I don't want to talk about chi- I don't want to talk about chick flicks or rom-com. Rom-com. But anyway, nevertheless, the firm foundation of the Lord stands. We stand in this moment, in the arena of life, with a logos, with a message. Yesterday was effective because my wife came, having found out and sought after and, and worked on and rewrote a word from the Lord about the value of each life, about walking by faith and not by sight. I got so inspired from it. The ethos, the atmosphere, the vibe, distinctive spirit or culture in an era. I don't know what things were like in 1938 Germany because I wasn't there, but I do know what things were like in 1970s Southern California because I was there. And I do know what has worked in the past in the decades here in the heartland. And I do know because my citizenship is in heaven and you do know the master's voice. And the voice of a stranger, you don't follow. You are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, but the devil is trying to desensitize you to good and evil, and God wants you to have distinctives about this and understand so you're not wrangling about words which increase to further ungodliness, but you're getting specific about the word, the ministry of the word and prayer. That's what it's all about. And the pathos, I felt such a quality of love and a feeling of genuine regard coming out of the, the meeting yesterday. Uh, that, that, and and it, it just, it, I just could tell God really cared about us. God really loves us. Can I tell you that Jesus was moved with compassion? Not so much a human sympathy, because that could become syrupy. That could, and if, if we're not careful, we could become almost patronizingly artificial. We must not go there. Listen, I, I, I like real maple syrup. I do not understand the corn syrup alternative. I mean, if you're going to bother to slather syrup on your stuff, it might as well be the real thing. Right? If we're going to have bacon, eggs, and hash browns, they better be over medium with the yolks runny, with, the, with crisp, crisp edges on the hash browns, with crispy bacon, and with half a gallon of hot sauce on it. If we're going to have church, it ought to be about Jesus. If we're going to be Christians, we ought to be thorough with it, really mean it. If we just started to mean it, we'd, we'd experience revival. If we really meant it 24-7, we'd start to experience an electromagnetic current. If we started lining up, this is why the Bible says that, behold how good and how precious it is when brethren dwell together in unity. My wife and I, every time we had a fight growing in our early marriage, 
I just talked to a couple fiancés who are getting married in, in, the, in, the summer, in the spring. Nobody wins in a headbutt. And the reason we know that, that's, that's Paul Blark, the, the uh, mall cop, said that famously. But we learned it the hard way. You know, you see these movies where somebody headbutts and somebody's knocked out all bloody and the other one's standing there like nothing happened to them. No, they had to have stitches as well. Nobody wins in a headbutt. That's why I'm not going off on these tangents. Even people chiding, like, you got to, it's a pulpit, you got to get up there. No, this is pulpit is not a bully pulpit. This pulpit is not a political pulpit. This pulpit is a holy desk to communicate the word of the living God in practical terms for the family who just lost grandpa, for the couple that's trying to figure out what just happened with the job two days before Thanksgiving, with the, the lady getting uh, whose husband is dealing with some alarming symptoms again and is believing God for them to live and not die. And let me tell you, nevertheless, the firm foundation of the Lord stands. And we're not to wrangle about words. Now, I'm running out of time, so I want to go to the essential verses that I think give you the lather, rinse, repeat in practical terms. And that's what I re- my goal is to give you not just theoretical overphrasing, but practical application. Okay, practical. How many of you want to go out with squeaky clean, super shiny hair that everybody just praises like crazy? And you, how many of you want to go out like this? Everybody do this. Even you bald people, do that. Just you, remember you did that when you were in middle school. You could do it. Just do it again. If you've got a bald person next to you, have them go like that. Just, isn't that awesome? Just flicking your pretend hair. Okay, so let's go to... Luke, the book of Luke, and we'll finish for today in my message with Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49. Luke, this is my key point, and it starts out, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Boy, we need to be doers. We need to be, my word is my bond, and be people that take action. It's a parable in the Bible about a guy who promised much and delivered little, and then there was a guy who didn't promise anything but came and showed up anyway. Jesus said, which one is the best? The one that did it. A doer. Something about being a doer. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, that's lather, rinse, repeat. Comes to me, hears my word, and acts on them. I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building his house. Who dug deep? Everybody say, I'm digging deep. Who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. Laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood, not if, but when a flood occurred. When a flood occurred. Not if, but when a flood occurred. uh, The torrent burst against that house and it could not shake it. If you want to know why I'm preaching what I'm preaching, it's in order for iron to enter into your soul. It's in order for a solidity to occur, for your foundation to get deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. I was told by aviation experts that in order to accommodate bigger jets, they had to make the runways longer and the concrete thicker. And that's what happens occasionally in the life of a Christian. That's what happens in your marriage. He increases and improves your capacity. Single people, he wants your capacity to ever increase, ever 
ever enriched, ever solidified for the purposes for which you've been set apart. JJ, young man, 15 years old, you're building on the foundation of Jesus. You've got it from both your father and your mother are Christians. Your mom, they worked it out. You, you're sorting it out. But as an individual, independently from them, you'll stand. And God is building in you in this unique setting. This is the setting God chose for you guys to be in. And it's, a, and a, it's, a, it's an amazing give and take. I watched you do the Charleston yesterday with Anna, and it was pretty amazing. You, you, you knew how to do a 20s dance. I mean, that's like in, it's intimidating. You, you're a triple threat. He, he, he dances, he acts, and he can sing. So, but what's significant, 10 years down the road, 15 years, 30 years down the road, as you mature, you'll never regret letting your digging deep and letting your roots go down into on this solid rock. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Jesus is the chief and costly and precious rejected by the builders, but precious to God. And when we stand on him, we will not be disturbed. We sing, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree planted by the waters, I will not be moved. In the case of the tree metaphor, because it's planted by the water, in addition to having its roots down deep holding on, so when the winds blow, it can stand, but also it has that hydration. We have when we believe in Jesus, as the scripture says, out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. We're drinking from the wells of salvation right now. And I wasn't raised in church, so I didn't get this stuff. This was just so much religious rhetoric. And I thought religion was for religious people. And I frankly, when I visited a lot of the churches, the tile was beige, the walls were beige, the music was beige, the message was beige. No offense to beige, but it was bland, and I didn't relate to it. It didn't resonate with me. But when the atoms lined up and when people were, were starting to seek after God and crying out for a messed-up, dysfunctional generation, yeah. I just watched a documentary on the, the uh, what was that jazz festival, the Newport Jazz Festival? Newport, was that the one? Yeah, in the 67. And I just saw the crazy land that was taking place when I was a young kid forming. And I, I grew up under these uh, fast-paced conditions, and it gave me an identity crisis. And there's another one trying to halt the progress of this generation, calling evil good and good evil, blurring the lines of conventional God's laws. The Bible says not to turn from them to the left or the right. The law is good. And it brings parameters, like thou shalt not steal needs to be told to the people taking uh, sledgehammers and going into uh, steel, mass stealings and then having to close down, what, 12 Walgreens in the city I was born in? 17 now. 17 now of a company that just enjoyed just wholesome provision for the community and then all of a sudden they've got to shut them down? But we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. We're on solid ground. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of the Lord stands. And uh, we don't want to be religious bigots. And we don't want to get all caught up in appearing as such. But nor do we want to compromise. Because you're holding on to the next generation. you raising up your little kids. Man, my wife and I intend to do a really good job all the way to our last breath 
trusting that what God wants to do here shall be fully accomplished. And I am actually preaching a recruiting message to you as an individual to catch this, not to wrangle about words. I'm reminding you of these basics. Yes, I'm just frying up some eggs or scrambling some eggs or poaching some eggs or boiling some eggs, but I'm trying to make sure you have plenty of hot sauce. And I want to make sure that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is priority for you and that nothing hinders it. And uh, here's what it says. Come to him, hear his words, act on them. And then repeat, lather, rinse, repeat. He says, your house will stand because it's been well built. Well built. Built to last. Jim Collins said that they need to have another set of ingredients. It's one thing to have entrepreneurial surge. It's another thing to be sustained. Faithful is he who calls you. He'll also bring it to pass. He's the author and the perfecter of your faith. So God is creating maturity in us. He's, we're all called in 1 Corinthians 3 to build on the only foundation, which is Jesus Christ. That, at the end of the day, is the most important. Any career, any track, whether it's science, politics, education, uh, uh, production, uh, manufacture, whatever, medicine, whatever it may be, the main deal is what you do and how you respond to Jesus and what you do in the framework of cooperating with this book. So here's the simple lather, rinse, repeat. Because it says, if one has heard and has not acted accordingly, is like a man who has built his house on ground without any foundation, and the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed, and the ruin of that house was great. So here's the contrast. Jesus is saying, you build your life by hearing the word. Hearing the word. Faith comes. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. That word is logos. Christ is, is Christos. It's, it's actually not the word logos, it's the word rhema, which means it's something that abidingly lives in you, it's quickened to you, it's the word that comes into personal view. And so that's why, you know, it's funny, we were watching a, a documentary that Peter Jackson uh, reiterated from 70 hours of video when the Beatles got together and did uh, Get Back and uh, uh, Let It Be, the Let It Be album in 1970, and they went to two different recording studios. My wife noticed, John's hair, he hasn't been washing his hair, and he'd gone in day in, day out, day in and day out, but for the concert that they did on the roof, he finally washed his hair. Now, that's gross, isn't it, that we notice that? But we're just, you know, when it's HDTV, you got to make sure you lather, rinse, and repeat. And we're living in HDTV realm where God sees our hearts and we're living epistles and the world sees what we're about, right? So like Addison is all stressed out over having a two-and-a-half-year-old and, a and uh, you know, trying to figure out what to pick at the drive-thru and, and being involved with worship and being involved with uh, the play and being, in, you know, being a wife and buy, buying a new house that they're remodeling and all these variables. And, that, and, and, and yet there was this moment Hey, remember, keep the big deal the big deal. You're a light bearer. That person needs you to be present. And when the, and when the atoms line up, 
The electromagnet works with its efficiency. How could two walk together except they be agreed? That's why I'm preaching this message to you. I feel like this is a rally point in the foundational basic elements of the faith. We as a local church are about ready to be called upon for some very specified, uh, purposeful, uh, eventful steps. And I, wanna, I intend to be ready as an individual. I'm doing, I did my push-ups this morning. You already knew that. You could see that. Um, I, threw, I took my vitamins. You could tell I took my vitamins. And uh, it's funny. When my wife was away praying and preparing for the ladies' meeting, when she came back, she, she brought a huge sack of vitamins. Here's vitamin C. Here's, and she, she, she made me take my vitamins. So uh, husbands live longer because their wives give them vitamins. But anyway, I believe you'll live longer and you'll prosper, in the words of Leonard Nimoy, if you will listen, draw near, listen, and obey. Right? When the flood occurred, the torrent burst against the house and it could not shake it because it had been built well, built to last. Number one, hear the word. Listen to his word. Incline his word. Incline your ear to his sayings. Proverbs 4.20, my son, give attention to my word. Incline your ear to my sayings. Don't let them escape your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and they are health to all their body. See, this is health for the persons who lost a loved one. I knew the man who died. He was beautiful to me years ago, and I just knew him in a little slice of my life. They knew him for their whole lives. What a heartache. Kids in here, they lost their friends in that car crash a while back. It's going to take some time to heal from that, but it really causes definition of what really matters most. I want to go through life with my head clear, with my eyes on Jesus, and obey the Lord and find his will for my life, right? Everybody say logos. That's the message. Ethos, that's the culture. Pathos, that's where you love and care, right? So lather, rinse, repeat. Everybody say lather, rinse, repeat. You say repeat? That's boring. No. You practice and practice the reason the Beatles became the Beatles, they say we, they thought we were overnight successes. We spent years and years playing covers and playing and playing and playing and playing. They said they flew to Hamburger. They played sometimes eight hours a day. They had to play eight hours a day. And I watched them, and they just intuitively could communicate with each other. And that's what I think when a church is done right or a family is done right, a circle of friends is done right, and it's, it's, the atoms are all lined up. That electromagnetic current has a potential to not be abated or hindered one bit. And then we'll see the salvation of the Lord. We'll see revival in the church. We'll see harvest amongst the lost. There's a world out there that's breathtakingly hurting. And they don't have anybody to turn to. They don't know Jesus. I don't know how people make it without him. And so, therefore, we've got to figure out how to share Jesus effectively in a non-threatening way. So the way we do it, we keep feeding on the word, feeding on the word, and then we do the word. We act on the word. We don't have time to turn to it, but in James chapter 1, it says that if we prove ourselves to be doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves, then we're going to get the job done. So we've got to take action. That's why 
Here are these people who lost a loved one instead of going, well, if God really loved us, why did he die? You know, or if God really loved me, why are we having this battle again? If God really loved me, how come this happened and they rejected me? You know, it's like we could go into that whiny spirit and be like 1 Corinthians 10 where they were laid low in the wilderness, or we could just get over it. Everybody say, get over it. We could get over it and keep digging deep, keep building on that solid foundation, Keep standing, having done all to stand, we stand. Let, you know, we see the torrents and the waves hit, and we, by the grace of God, this is why I've become a Christian. This is why I'm standing on the scriptures. This is why I keep showing up at church. I lather, rinse, and repeat. I'm, I, uh, this is the rhythm of it. The Beatles learned guitar chords by doing this. George even got into a thing where he learned to play sitar from Ravi Shankar, which is a whole different set of, of even different intonations and notes a little Liverpool British guy went from uh, hill, uh, rockabilly and R&B and he went in to discover a whole different kind of trend of music uh, we as Christians there's so there's plenty for us to learn there are new vistas for us to reach there are, there are things for us to express that I have not seen, that, that, that couldn't even have been described, that would be overwhelming to us if we knew pre, prematurely. But we walk by faith and not by sight. So what do we do in the meantime? Having done all to stand, we stand. I'm going to just keep lathering, rinsing, and repeating. Aren't you glad I washed my hair today? Let's all stand up on our feet. Look at somebody next to you and say, lather, rinse, and repeat. Hallelujah. Let's pray together. You ready? For the family in between jobs. Say this with me. Pray you get a better job. For the lady who's believing God for her husband's health. Say, I believe I receive when I pray. For the family who lost their treasured father and grandfather. You say, God is a God of all comfort. For the person in the room that's on the edge, say, your life matters. Don't give up. Your present circumstances are overrated. Get your eyes on Jesus. He has a plan for your life. His purposes shall surely come to pass and the gates of hell will not overtake me. Amen.